Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, will be learning Daf Mem Hey in Maseches Psachim. Now, yesterday, we got almost, I don't know, eight, eight lines up from the bottom of Mem Dalet Amad Bez, but Kalman is back. So even though normally we would mail it in, uh, we should go back 15 lines up from the bottom of Dalet Amad Bez because it's one sort of continuous idea and uh, we don't want him to miss out. We want, we want this to be, to, to, to sort of flow and make sense. So let's get our bearings. Okay. We had, really, we learned three fundamental Yerdea topics in one daf yesterday. We learned this concept of heter mitztarif le iser, which means when you have a mixture of, of two things and one of them is usr, so let's say the requisite is a kezayis in order to be chayev. If, even if you don't have a full kezayis of iser, you can use some heter in order to combine it in certain cases to uh, make up a kazais and to become usr. We will discuss what, where the source is for that, but we learned that. The other one was the, uh, the idea that you have to have a kazais of iser and eat it kedei achilas pras, which is which in a certain time frame, okay, which is a different thing. That's even if you only had, we were talking in the case of a, a tarovis, a mixture, but even if you only had one item, let's say, if you have an amount that you wouldn't be able to eat, we talked about yesterday, Andrew and I, uh, sorry to leave you guys out, but we're having an intimate kutach uh, uh, uh dinner at some point, and so that uh, disgusting Babylonian Iraqi dip is something that you would not be able to eat, kedechilas pras, right, uh, straight, and therefore you wouldn't be able to be chayva kazais for that, we talked about that. And the third topic was ta'am ke'ikr. Ta'am ke'ikr. I bring this up because we're going to be discussing heter mitztarf le'isr, as we discussed, and ta'am ke'ikr, which is different than heter mitztarf le'isr in a variety of ways, but they're cousins. And we'll see, so much so, that there's a machlokas as to where you learn it, uh, whether you learn from the same pasuk, ta'am ke'ikr or heter mitztarf le'isr. Ta'am ke'ikr means that when you have a flavor, so, for example, if you had grapes in water, even if you took the grapes out, right, that flavor still remains. Um, and so even without any actual, what we would call substance, if you can taste it, then it's as if that taste, if that thing which is usr imparts taste to the entire thing, so then the entire thing might become usr just by virtue of having the taste of the usr thing, even though it itself is not physically composed of the usr thing. So... And of course, these are huge Yerdea topics which have tremendous nafkamina lahalacha uh, for kashras and all of those things. Okay, so now we're going to take it slow because we're going to say the following. The, the way this Gemara starts is we're going to try to bring up the psukim. So the way the Gemara starts is as follows. There is a, con- there is a concept of mishras anavim, right? The mishras anavim is a case either, is basically a case where you had like matzah shruya, right? The Pasuk said mishras anavim, right? With regards to a nazir, a matzah shruya is matzah which is soaked in water. So mishras anavim, let's say you have bread that's soaked in wine. Can a nazir eat bread that's soaked in wine? The Pasuk specifically says that no. Mishras Anavim is listed as one of the things that the Nazir cannot eat, and that's an interesting thing. Why can the Nazir not eat it? So the Rabbanan hold that that is the source of Tam Ki'ikr, that this Pasuk of Mishras Anavim means that you can't eat the bread because 
it has the taste of the wine. Aha. That's why the Nazir can't eat that bread. Rabbi Yochanan quoted Rabbi Akiva as saying that Mishra Sanavim is the source for Heter Mitztaref Le'isr. That it's not because of the taste of the wine, but it's because of the fact that the bread creates a substrate, even though the bread itself may have been mutter to the Nazir. The bread is Mitztaref. It joins in order to create a volume of a kazais with the wine that it is infused with, and that is what makes it Usr for the, for the Nazir. So, the uh, Gemara here is now going to, is going to say, if Rabbi Kiva in fact holds that Mishras is teaching Heter Mitztaref Le'isr, where does he learn the concept of Tam Ke'ikr? He doesn't have the Pasuk of Mishras for Tam Ke'ikr. So we talked about, maybe he learned from Basar B'chalav, we dismissed it, okay? Um, because the Basar B'chalav is a Chiddush, and we're going to be saying any time, and obviously any time a Pasuk is an actual Chiddush, how do we define Chiddush? So we said yesterday, like Refresh al-Shechter, the Heiliger Shlita holds, that a Chiddush means that if you learned all the principles in the Torah, and they taught you one thing, right? You try to use all the principles that you know, and then this this halacha runs counter to all the principles you know. That's that's a chiddush, okay? Uh, it's not a chiddush to tell you that's what a chiddush is, but you'd be surprised, um, right? Because everything else, everything's a chiddush. Klashrus in itself is a chiddush altogether. You know, if you're going to say that it's something that you wouldn't have known without the Torah, it's not that. It's something that you would have not known using the principles of the Torah. Okay, so now we're going to take it step by step and it should be doable to sort out the Shittas Rabbanon and Rabbi Akiva. So again, Rabbi Akiva uses the Mishras to learn Hetem and Starf So where does he note Tam Ke'ikr? Says the Gemara. 15 lines off. El Yalef Mi Ge'ulei Nachrim. Rabbi Akiva's source of Tam Ke'ikr comes from Ge'ulei Nachrim, which is what? The Torah says in the Pasuk that if you find, if you, let's say, uh, win the war against, let's say you beat a, up a bunch of Midianites, and now you're left with the spoils of war, and you have pots and pans. So the Pasuk said, that anything that you see, let's say it's a pot and pan, so clearly this was used for, for cooking, clearly it was subject to some fire, and as we know from like basic kitchen halacha when we ask the rabbi, if you had something then you was hot and you, and you had a fire, there's something called the balia, right? There's something where it's absorbing the treif. So you, the Midianites are eating chazer treif all day long, and you have these treif utensils that have the absorption of treif utensils in them, and therefore you do ge'ulei nachrim, like what we call hag'ala, right? You have to uh, purge them of that treif by heating them up. Aha. So, says the Gemara, ge'ulei nachrim lav taima be'almahu ve'asr. In other words, what do you have? The, the pots and pans are clean, right? So why would you have to do this Hagala. Why do you have to do the Gilei Nachim? Must be, says the Gemara, because it has to be that there's a Bliya in there, which is to say there's a Ta'am in the pots. And therefore, that is a source of Tam Ke'ikah for Rabbi Kiva. Mishra's he'll use for Hetem and Starfleiser. And this Gilei Nachim he's going to use to learn Tam Ke'ikah. As the Gemara says, Hachanami Loshna. Here too, with regards to any other kind of foods, it's not going to be different than Gilei Nachrim, which is to say, any time you have any time, you have to consider it as a source of Isser, right? In other words, it's a Chiddush, or maybe I shouldn't use the word Chiddush because it becomes important here, but in other words, the Torah is uh, teaching you that 
just by, just because there's no actual physical trafe here doesn't mean that the pots don't have to be koshered. Uh, they have to be koshered because the tam is ke'ikr. Okay, so the Gemara says, well, why wouldn't the Rabbanon learn that as a source of tam ke'ikr? It says, Rabbanon, gi'ule nachrim nami chidashu. Aha. So this is, I, I jumped the gun. The Rabbanon are going to say that that source of gi'ule nachrim is not the source for tam ke'ikr because, in fact, it's a chidash. It's a chidash to say Right, that that you need, and that, right, it's a chiddush to say that uh, that that it's a that that it's an iser despite the fact that there's no mamashas there. Why? It says the Gemara, the hakol noisin tam lifgam murter. Aha, because the Rabbanon assume that when you found these pots, that whatever is absorbed into the pots, whatever taste is absorbed, is actually not delicious, but rather disgusting. That's called nice and tam lifgam. That it does have a taste, but it's not a pleasant taste. And if it's not a pleasant taste, it's mutter. How do we know that? The gamrinan minavela happens to be. We learn this idea of nice and tam lifgam is mutter from the concept of nevela, right? Nevela teaches you. Uh, Rashi explains that right. We have a source by nevela. Nevela says you have a pasuk basically that that, that says that anytime you eat. Something that's in a veil, it's going to be usser, but it's usser only if it's something that will be considered edible, right, to the, to the guy. The Gamin in Vela, Rashi, the Gachsiv, Lotokhlu, call Nevela, Haruya Lager, Kuri in Vela. In other words, we call it Nevela only if it's delicious for the guy, right? If it's not Roy Lachila, it's a different isser. In other words, you're not supposed to sit there and eat something that even a guy wouldn't eat, because, but the point is that it has, you're gonna, you're gonna get a different avera. The avera of eating a nevela is if it's something that's, um, that is edible to a non-Jew. So therefore, uh, right? But here, right, we, the, the chiddush is that despite the fact, again, despite the fact that it is nice and time gum, right, we assume that the blia in the pot has become disgusting. And therefore we assume that there should be no iser. Of it because it's not edible, and yet it's still usher. You still have to do the 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 hagala, and that is why it's a chiddush. And by again before because of the fact that it's a chiddush, that's why the rabbanon will not be able to learn it from here to other things that all other yisurim have the topic of tam keikar have the aspect of tam keikar. Because if it's a standalone chiddush for one thing, so then you can't apply it to other things. It, we see that it's a unique case. Uh-huh. So again, Rabbanon hold that Yulei Nochem is a unique case, and therefore they can't learn Tom Kikar from that for, to elsewhere. So what's Rabbi Kiva going to say to this? How do they learn Tom Kikar from Yulei Nochem? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, uh, holds, is like Rabbi Kiva, so we see very interesting the a machlokis between Rabban and Rabbi Kiva as to whether again when you find these spoils of war in pots and pans, right? Is it referring to pots and pans? Do you treat those pots and pans as if that taste that was absorbed with, within them was a ben yoma or not? If it's kedair basyoma as Rabbi Kiva holds, then says the Gemara hilchach lav noisin tamlef gamu. Right, it's not going to be a nice and time of gam. That's going to be a nice and time of shvach, right? And therefore, it's not such a big chiddush to say that you have to actually do hagala. And once you say it's nice and time of shvach, and you say that you have to do hagala, and it's normal that you have to do so because it's a good taste. So then you can apply this idea, right, of tam keikar to the rest of the Torah. 
However, the Rabbanon are going to hold that no. That the Kedera says the Gemara, Verabanon, Kedera, Bas Yoma, Nami, Lo Efshar, Delo Pagma, Porta. Rabbanon are going to say, so fine. We have the statement of Chibre Edervuna that the Torah was talking about a Kedera, Bas Yoma. In other words, so first of all, we're understanding a lot more about the Pasuk. When the Pasuk is saying that you find the spoils of war and you have to kasher up those Kalim, it's not even referring to the Kalim that you know were were any more than a day uh, old in usage with food, right? Um, you, find, you find somebody, right? You take over somebody's apartment and you see pots and pans there. You know nobody's been living there for two years. So those you don't even have to kosher because it, by definition, right, the belia that's in there was not a ben yoma. The Pasuk is only talking about, the only time you really have to kosher those kalim, says the Pasuk, at least made Arisa, is if you knew that they were used within that day. But even within that context, there's a machlokas between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbanan as to whether it would be nice and tam lifgam or nice and tam lishvach. Rabbi Kiva is going to say that it's nice and tam lishvach, that it's within a day, it's still some fresh, whatever, Mickey D's in there. And therefore, that fresh thing needs to be purged. And because of the concept of tam keiker, which could be applied anywhere else, and Rabbanan are going to say that no, that it is, in fact, still always going to have some degree of nastiness when you have the, uh, even if it's a ben yomo, and therefore it's nice and time left calm, and therefore it is a chiddish to say that you have to kasher these kalim, right? Because who knows what, you know, what kind of uh, things these people are eating, entrails of squid or whatever. I don't know if squid have entrails. Okay. Six lines up from the bottom and down the base. Fine. So now we're going to ask, uh, the following. We, we, it, we went through Rabbi Kiva pretty thoroughly. Now we're going to say, okay, well, Rabbi Yochanan quotes Rabbi Kiva, um, is going to apply the heter, the idea of Mishras, that Pasuk, we said, again, Rabbanan hold Mishras teaches you Tom Kiker. Rabbi Kiva learns Tom Kiker from Yule Nachrim, but Mishras, he learns, teaches you Heter Mitzarf Leiser. Now, by saying that Mishras holds that Heter Mitzarf Leiser, it limits it to a Nazir. Right? Because, it in fact only teaches you that it's in the context of a nazir, says the Gemara. Okay, so from the fact that we just analyzed the Rabbanan, let's go back now to Rabbi Akiva and we say, So we say again. According to Rabbi Kiva, we're going to say like this that we know that the Rabbanan hold that Mishras is teaching you Tam Kikr. So the question is like this. We said that Rabbanan who hold that the Pasuk Mishras is teaching you Tam Ke'ikr is the source of Tam Ke'ikr and therefore we learn Tam Ke'ikr to call it Torah Kula. So says Rabbi Achabri the Ravya, he asks Rashi, well, if, if that's so, then why does Rabbi Kiva who holds that Mishras teaches you Heter Mitzdarf Leser, why does he not apply Heter Mitzdarf Leser Lekola Torah Kula? Right? When we talk about Rabbi Kiva holding that Mishras teaches you Heter Mitzdarf Leser, Rabbi Yochanan specifically said, he made a statement yesterday in the Gemara, that that's exclusive to Nazir. So we have a, a, a sort of a incongruency here, right? Whereas, the Mishras teaches you Tam Ke'ikr for Rabbanan, and they learn that Lakala Tarakula. Mishras teaches you Heter Mitzvah Lisser for Rabbi Kiva, and he limits it to Nazir. So why doesn't he expand it Lakala Tarakula as the Rabbanan do for the Tam Ke'ikr? After all, it's the same source, right? So the Gemara says no. The Rabbi Kiva Nami Mishras Laheter Mitzvah Lisser. 
So I'm just finishing the question. So you say, La Rabbi Kiva Nami, right? Says Ravavia. So shouldn't Rabbi Kiva also, when he says, Shouldn't he also apply to call the Surin Shibatara? So Amalei, so Ravashi answered as follows. He says, uh, The suspense is killing you as we arrive at Memhamad Aleph. So now we have introduced one last concept and then we're going to just kick this around till we reach the Mishnah in the middle of this Amud as follows. And then, and then that Mishnah hopefully goes uh, a little bit simpler concepts here. Okay. The idea is like this. And when you have two psukim, Right, we're the idea. So when you learn something from one pasuk, you know, and, and that pasuk is really trying to reflect on all of the Torah, but you have two psukim teach you the same thing. So we assume that now we're just learning two exceptions, and that takes it away from the rest of the Torah. So whereas if you hold that Mishras is Tom Kiker, then Mishras is the only source of Tom Kiker for the Rabbanon, and therefore you can expand it to Torah Kol Torah Kol HaTorah Kula. However, if you hold that Mishras teaches you Hetter and Star Flaser, you have an issue. Because there's another pasuk that also teaches you hetter mitzdar iser, and once you have two psukim that teach you the same thing, it does has the opposite effect. Instead of applying it to call tarkula, now you know that you have only two exceptions, and it doesn't apply to anything else. So what's the other context? Chatas. What's the what are the two contexts? So the Gemara is going to walk you through it. Let's see. Says the Gemara. Nazir hada amran. Right. So the context of Nazir is what we said. Mishras is hetter mitzdar iser. Okay. Chatas mahi, what's the case of chatas? The Tanya. We learn in the Bryce of the following. Kol asher yigabib sarah yikdash. Yachol afilu lo blah. Talmud lomar bib sarah yikdash. Ad shi blah bibasar yikdash liyos kamoa. What's going on here? Okay, so the art scroll has a beautiful explanation as following. The context here is you have a chatas and you have a shlomim. So we know the chatas is kache kachim, and that's very chamor. Right? When you have a korban chatas, you have to eat it, right? Only over there in the chatzer, and it has to be only a male kohen, and you only have that day and the following night to eat it, as opposed to shlomim, which is, has more relaxed rules. It's kachim kalim, we call it, right? Lighter kachim. That can, that can be eaten not only in the chatzer, but it can be eaten throughout, right? Your shalim. It doesn't have to be just a kohen. It could be any, any, uh, tohar Jew. And you have an extra day to eat it till the sunset of the following day. Okay. So now, what if you had the two korbanos and they somehow had contact so that they absorb one from the other? So the Pasuk teaches you, right? Biv Sarah. Right? Kol asher yiga biv Sarah yikdash. So the Pasuk is teaching you what? That the Shlomim, which has a more kal, right? Dinim absorbs the Yisurim of the Chattas. So now even though you have, let's say, Shlamim, it's all Shlamim almost, but it absorbed some Chattas, so by, a, or, or it joined with some Chattas, the entire Shlamim now uh, has to be eaten that day and only by male Kohen and only in a more confined space. Okay. That's what it means. It says Talmud Omar again, So the Shlamim is going to be like the Chattas. So if the chatas, anywhere where the chatas will be disqualified, right, the, the shlomim is going to be disqualified. And even if it is okay to eat, it can only be eaten, right, within the confines of the same time and place as the chatas. 
Okay, so what is that? That teaches you heter mitztaref leiser that that which is a little more lenient, which is the shlamim, is mitztaref and takes on the characteristics of the morchamor, which is the chatas. Uh-huh. So since you have that pasuk and you have the pasuk of the nazir, then you know that you can't learn to anything else. The Gemara asks an unbelievable question. After all, interestingly enough, this pasuk of lechatas is actually a symbolic of both concepts. You could say that the reason why, just like by, just like by the wine, you could say that the reason why lechatas takes on, the, the shlamim takes on the characteristics of lechatas is because of heter mitzvah leiser, or you could say that it takes on the characteristics because of tam keikar, right? And whichever way you're going to hold, it's going to be shteik suvim, right? It's either going to be nazir and lechatas, right, to teach you heter mitzvah leiser, or Nazir Vachatas to teach you Tam Keikr. Either way, it should be Tupsukim, and shouldn't be extrapolated to everything else. So the question is, why do the Rabbanon not see Chatas as being the same as Nazir, and Rabbi Kiva sees Chatas as being the same as Nazir and can't extra- extrapolate further? So the Gemara answers, Amri Hanu Mitzvah The Rabbanon think that both Psukim are not exactly the same. That Chatas and Nazir are teaching you things that are so unique to each individual case. So obviously, when you need both psukim, so then it's not coming to exclude the rest of the cases in the Torah, right? In other words, if you have two standalone psukim, you know, of their own right, even if they teach you the same thing, let's say, let's say, Tam Ki'ikar, but if you need both psukim to teach you because the two cases are so dissimilar, so then you can, in fact, extrapolate it to the Kala Tarakula, okay? So Rabbi Kiva, why does he not think that those two psukim are unique? So, Rabbi Kiva, it says, um, why would he say that, for, why would he say that both are necessary? We can understand. If you just learn chatas, so you can't just assume, if you learn, let's say, Rabbi Kiva, who holds Tam Ki'ikar from the chatas. So if you're going to say, I can understand if you only had one pasuk. It only said by chatas that you, that the Shlomim absorbs the taste of the chatas. You'd never be able to extrapolate that a Nazir has this topic of, this issue of Tam Ki'ikar from that. Why? Because you never learn um, anything to the rest of Kol Tarkula from Alachos by Kachim. Because we know Kachim is like a different world, right? The basic Mikdash functions on its own rules. You don't apply regular uh, daily Halachas to what goes on in the base of Mikdash. So if you had just this exclusive Pasuk by the base of Mikdash, you would never be able to apply it. However, if we learn it just by Nazir, so now you have the principle of Tam Ki'ikr, right? So these are like basic uh, laws of Alacha, and those apply everywhere, even in the base of Mikdash, right? In other words, in the reverse case, that which should work. So says the Gemara, because we can learn other Yisurim B'Torah for Nazir, and we already said that yesterday, that Nazir, because it's so kal, any, anything that's going to be ushered by Nazir, Right, we said three reasons why the Nazir was Kal. He could get out of it, right? It could be a limited amount of time. So, because, and, and, and it's also Mutter Bahana. So those three reasons why a Nazir, it's Kal, and it's a mundane enough idea that if you have an Isser in the Torah by Nazir, such as this, such as Tom Kiko, you should be able to extrapolate it to the rest of the Torah. And if that's the case, therefore when we learn Chatas, it's extra. And the fact that it's chatas, we learn next to Rabbi Kiva is going to confine it to Nazir. Okay, so then how do the rabbis respond to this logic, right? In other words, the Nazir seems to, seems to teach us everything. So chatas 
is extra. And therefore, that, the fact that it's extraneous means that it is only there to teach you shtek suvim barke echad and to limit it to nazir and chatas. So how do the rabbis who learn that Mishras teaches you Tom Kaker, how do they expand that to the rest of the Torah? Says the Gemara of Arbanan, No. They're still going to uh, maintain that the both sukkim are necessary. Why? Right, the Chatas is teaching you Heter Mitztarif Le'iser. Aha, so now we're pulling a fast one. They're saying that their Chatas isn't teaching you Tom Kaker. The Chatas is teaching, they're, they're like, Rabbi Kiva, we agree with you. Chatas teaches you Heter Mitztarif Le'iser. And from Chatas, you can't extrapolate to anything else because that's in the concept of Kachim. Mishra Slitin Tom Kaker. And Mishra, so they're basically just saying that Chatas is teaching you one of these two concepts, namely Heter Mitztarif Le'iser, and Mishras is teaching you Tom Ke'ikar. So they're teaching you two separate things. And once they're teaching you two separate things, so each one is a standalone Pasuk that you can extrapolate to the rest of the Torah. Mikanat Adan, L'chol HaTorah Kula. Wow. Okay, so what would Rabbi Kiva uh, respond to this? Says the Gemara, Taivayu L'heter Mitztarf L'Eser. Well, obviously Rabbi Kiva, right, holds that, so apparently the Rabban and Rabbi Kiva both hold that the case of the Chathas is Heter Mitztarf L'Eser. And Rabbi Kiva is stuck because he happens to hold that Mishras also teaches you Hatem and Starf And therefore, and since both the Chatas and the, right, and the, the Mishras of the Nazir teaches you the same thing, and therefore you can't extrapolate to the rest of the Torah since they teach you the same thing. And now we know why when Rabbi Yochanan quoted Rabbi Kiva, he limited the idea of Hatem and Starf only to Nazir. Right? So obviously it's not only to Nazir, it would also be true of Chatas. But the point is that because it appears by both Nazir and by Chatas, it is not applicable to the rest of Kalatar Kula. Okay? However, Amalei Ravashi of Kahana, El Hadatanya, that seems to be difficult with a Brysa, because the Brysa said explicitly, Right? Then when, when we talked about Nazirus, right? We had a brisa that went out of its way to teach you, as the Gemara says, limit al That we had a brisa teaching what from a different pasuk, from a different pasuk. The pasuk says by a nazir that anything, right, even the seeds and mitzah and, and the skins, all of those things, um, he should should not eat. And the brisa said that that the idea that you shouldn't be able to eat the seeds and the skins is an application of the idea of ein mitzdarfim hater leiser. Well. If we already learn, right, that Mishras is the source of Heter Mitzar Fleiser, why do we need this extra Pasuk? This Pasuk becomes extraneous, right? According to the Rabban and the Hall that teaches you that Mishras is Tam Ke'ikar, so then you need the second Pasuk. But according to, to Rabbi Akiva, who holds it, it teaches you Ein Mitzar and Heter Leiser, what is the second Pasuk of Mikol Asher Yasa Megefen Ayayin Mechartzanim? Says the Gemara asks, Hashel Rabbi Akiva Yisr Veheter Mitzar Fin, Yisr Veheter Mitzar not only that, Rabbi Kiva is already holding from Mishras that you're mitzvah from Hetel Isr. So what, you need this, really? You need this extra Pasuk to teach you that those things which are Asr, like the skins and, and the, um, right? Because what does that Pasuk teach you of Mikol Yasemi Gefen Hayayin, Mechartzanim? That Pasuk presumably teaches you that even though it's a seed and a peel and the flesh of a grape, that they all combine together to create the Kazayis of Isr for a Nazir. Wait a minute. Though those things are usr. So, like, of course, if Heter is mitzvah for then all those usr things are going to combine to, to be mitzvah for 
so Reb Kahana answers, I'm relay, achas. No, 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 no. When, when Rabbi Kiva holds of Mishras, is a heter mitztarf iser, he's referring to a mixture, right? To something where you have it together. However, iser, 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 the pasuk of what? Of the, of mechartzanim is teaching you something else. That you're sitting there and you're eating the grape or you're eating it piecemeal, right? You're first eating the skin, then you're eating the flesh, then you're eating the, the seeds. That is usr because of the, that's a different kind of history. You're not eating it together. You're eating it one after the other with a break in between and still it's going to be mitzvah for So it is in fact not redundant. It is still a chiddish to teach you that the seeds and the skins are usher because the extra chiddish is that they're usher even if they're not eating together. Masha'enkin, when you're talking about mishras, so that's only going to be usher. The heter is only going to be mitzvah if it's part of a mixture of, of iser and heter. Whew. Baruch Hashem. We made it up to the Mishnah. Kalman is wondering why he didn't just show up tomorrow. Um, but we made it up to the Mishnah. So let's do, start the Mishnah in the middle of Memhamad Aleph. We're talking now about using chametz as kok. Using chametz for something other than edible, right? We talked already about chametz nuksha, right? Which, like I define as um, uncooked pasta, right? Sometimes you have chametz, which isn't really that edible. Sometimes you have chametz, which is edible, but you're not using it for the purpose of eating it. Right? Like you say, when we say chametz that you use, let's say to, for whatever reason, you like to use like oatmeal um, drywall. You know what I mean? So, or oatmeal to, to stomp up a pot. So, is that going to be a problem of chametz? So, we're going to see the different parameters here. Says the Mishnah. areva. Right? It's, it's dough, so it's chametz, but you're using it as what the, as kochla, or, or, um, you're lodging it in the cracks of, in this case, the areva is like a kneading trough. We're gonna see. This is good, this is like an area that has like a bottom and a middle and a top, and has an area where you're kneading it. Now, obviously, over there, so sometimes if it gets used over time, you develop holes in it. Well, if you develop holes in it, water starts spilling out, becomes, um, obviously less efficient to use. And so very often you would just take the chametz and you just cake it over there. Because you figure if you just leave it caked over there, then that's going to stomp up the hole. That's the most easy way to, to, to do that, right? You're not going to start sitting there soldering, you know, metal to metal or whatever it is, or whatever this is, uh, material this is. So bottom line is you're going to let the uh, chametz sort of dry there, and that's going to become now part of the receptacle. So now that dried chametz is part of the receptacle. So is that considered still chametz? I mean, you're not going to sit there and eat it, so let's see. Says the, Gemar, says the Mishnah, rather. Well, if it's more than a kezayis, then I understand that you're not using it to eat, but it's more than a kezayis, you're going to have to burn it. Um, you have to get rid of it before Pesach. You can't just keep that there and use it. Whatever, you had a little bit less, and you had, it was less than a kezayis, and you're not using it to eat, and therefore it becomes bottled. Bottled to what? It becomes essentially bottled to the receptacle. Very nice. Says the Mishnah, This is not just true with Hilchas Pesach, but we have other contexts where this idea of bittel, uh is uh, applicable. As follows, with regards to Tuma, the Mishnah knew the common was going to return today, so we have Tuma and Tara here. In Makbid if you object, right, makbid is, you, you, the idea of makbid and chotzes we're very familiar with from, right, when you're tovel in a mikvah. So when you're tovel in a mikvah, if you object to something being there, 
right? Like we have, they have all the, the famous Shilas of Moshe Feinstein about like dental fillings and, and people going to the mikvah, right? Or braces, as it were. Let's say somebody has braces. So they don't want the braces to be there, then they're there temporarily. So if something's there temporarily, it means you're going to take it off. If something like a filling is in there and you know it's going to be there forever, so to speak, so then maybe that's going to be considered batil because, right, ain't no makbid love. So makbid love means, right, that if makbid love means that this is something you're going to take at some point, that you something that you want, as opposed to, let's say, like a pacemaker, right? Somebody has uh, something um, attached to them that's always staying there. So then you're not makbid love, you're not doing anything with it, it's part of you, so then it's not a chatzitza, it's part of you. So it's the same thing over here. Makbid love means eventually you're going to want to eat this thing. So then, of course, it's going to be chatzitza because it's considered an individual item. So that's true for tumah also. You're, you're, let's say you're taking a receptacle and it has a piece of t- something tummy on it. So if that thing that's tummy on it is, becomes a part of it already, so then you could just dunk it into the water. That's called eno love, And it becomes part of the utensil and it becomes tahor. But if you're love, meaning you're going to use that later, so, so then, of course, it's going to be chatzitza. As the Mishnah continues and finishes off the saying, So in this case, you're taking the actual areva, the kneading receptacle, and you're dunking in the mikvah to become tahar. That's the explanation of Rashi and what this means. So you're taking the, the whole utensil. So if right, you want that piece of tame, let's say, that you, right, you had tame bread that you caked along the side. Now you want it to be tar, because let's say you're going to use this to knead tar stuff. So you want to dunk it in the mikvah. The whole utensil is going to be tar. Ah, it had tamay, uh bread, dough caked in there. No, that's already part of the utensil because you're leaving it there. You have no intention of taking it back and therefore that itself could become tamay because it becomes subsumed in the areva. So just to review, we have two topics here. We have the size of the chametz, right? Or the tumah as it were, the kazais or less. And we have makbid, eno makbid. Now we're basically just going to spend the rest of the Gemara going through the, all the different possibilities of these two variables as follows. Okay, fine. One third variable. What's this? The idea is, is like this. A place not made to hold water. In other words, if you have, let's say, um, so like we said, there's different portions of this kneading receptacle. So if you're at the bottom and you had a hole in the bottom, so for sure you want that stomped up. So that, so that area, for sure it, you want to leave it there because otherwise the whole thing gets ruined. Everything's going to spill out. What about the sides of the receptacle? So there it's not as critical. That's just better to have it stomped up, but it's not really as critical. So this is what Rabbi Huda is saying in the name of Shmuel, that if this is whole, this whole diun of Kazais, if not Kazais, it's talking about a case like on the sides. But in a place where it's absolutely critical that it's stopped up, like on the bottom, let's say, where it's meant to hold the water, right? It's, it's, it sounds like it's implying that even if it was larger than a kazais, you'd never have to do the beer because that area is critical for the function of the utensil. Says the Gemara, the following inference. So you can infer from that that if it was less than a kazais, right, right, so, so this whole concept is we're saying like this, that when it comes to a critical area, then we could even be greater than a kazais. Must mean that if it's less than a kazais, then we don't care where you put it in this utensil. That's one version. 
But there's another version that's more machmir, which is Ika Demasni La Seifa. Some understood Shmuel's qualification of the of the Seifa of our Mishra as follows: Ve'im Lav Batal Bimeuto, right? That if there's not a Kezayis in one place, then it's going to be but then Ve'im Lav Batal Bimeuto. Amar Bihuda Mishmuel Lo Shanol B'Makom Ha'Asur L'Chazik. No, that this whole idea of Kezayis was referring, in fact, to the area where you need to have the water pour out. Of Makom She'Ein Asur L'Chazik Chayav Levayer. So, right, it's much more machmir that even if it's, if it's less a kezayis, if it's on the sides of the trough, we'll call it, so then you're going to be chayv levayer. In other words, if it's a non-critical area, we don't care how small it is. You're always going to have to take it out and burn it. If it's in a critical area, so it's only there that we have the distinction of a kezayis, not a kezayis, which is to say, if it's, even if it's in a critical area, if it's larger than a kezayis, you're going to have to burn it as the Gemara proceeds to to spell out, Miklal, the Kazayas, Afilu B'Makom Oseh L'Chazek, Chayev Levayer, right, the Marmach Meshita, that if once it's a Kazayas, it's going to be Oseh anywhere along this trough, even in the critical area. Okay. So now we're going to bring a Bryce that's explicitly going to support both versions, only to confuse us further. Tanya Kilishna Kama, Tanya Kilishna Basra. Tanya Kilishna Kama, as follows, Batsik Shibisitke Areva, B'Makom HaOseh L'Chazek, let's say you have some dough in the cracks of the trough in an area that needs that, that would otherwise let water fall out, right? That's what we call a place that needs some fixing. Eina chotzitz. It's not considered a chatzitza, ve'ena oiver, and you don't have any avera there, uh, because, by virtue of its location of where you put the batik. However, it's on the sides where it's of no consequence. It's considered a chatzitza because it's not that important. But medvar memorim bechazayis, that all of this conversation is bechazayis, of a bachaz mechazayis, a feel of a makam she'ena so lechazik, ena chotzitz ve'ena oiver. And so according to this first version, if it's less than a chazayis, then even if you put it in a non-critical area, it's not considered a chatzitza, you're not over any avera of chametz, and you could just leave it there. As long as it's less than a kezayis, it's going to be okay even in a non-critical area. That's straight up the first version. What about Batanya Kilishna Basra? But unfortunately, or fortunately, or whatever, as it happens, we have a version of a brisa that says, that supports the second version explicitly as well. Batanya Kilishna Basra, Batsek Shebesitke Areva B'Makam Arsalachazek. If you have this dough in those cracks at a place that is critical, as we turn to Bimheim Bays at the almost auspicious time of 6.14 a.m., Right? It's not going to have any issue. But if you have it in a non-critical area, like the sides, then it is, in fact, going to be a problem. That all of this discussion of whether it's in a critical area or not is only going to be if it's less than a kazais. But if it was a full kazais large, then even if it was in a critical area, you can't keep a kazais. Are you kidding? Kazais of chametz on Pesach? What are you talking about? Of course, that's that's going to be a problem. And therefore, even if it's a critical area, you'd have to go ahead and burn it. So the Gemara points out the obvious issue, Kashi and Hadadi. You have two completely conflicting prices. One supporting the first explanation that the only thing that matters is whether it's in a critical area and you'd be mutter even if it was larger than a kazayis. And one supporting the second brisa, which teaches you that if it's larger than a kazayis and even if it was in a critical area, the position wouldn't help. It would be usur. Amar vuna same kilta mikame chamirta. Get rid of the first brisa in deference of the more chamer second brisa. It's more important to be more machmir over here. To which Rabbi Yosef said to Ravuna, Rabbi Yosef Amra, Tanai Shakat Alma, okay, did you remove, <laughs> amazing, 
Did you remove all the Tanaim from the world that you can't find a single Tana that would hold like the first Brisa? What are you talking about? Tanaim. This is the Machlokas Tanaim. So why are you disregarding the first Mekel Brisa in favor of the second Machmir Brisa? Obviously, there's somebody who supports the first Brisa. The Tanya. How do we know? Because we have the following Brisa. Hapas she'ipsha. Let's say you have a moldy uh, bread. Oh, yeah, by the way, I meant to you, Andrew, when we're getting together later, we're having some pas she'ipsha with the puta kutach bavli. Chayiv levar. Got to get rid of it. Why? Uh, for Pesach, obviously. Because even in the, in, in the moldy state, if it's not so edible, you can still crumble it. And you use it, right, as a catalyst for uh, leavening in other doughs. No, no, no. That's only if you kept it for eating. Okay, but, oh yeah, I meant to tell you, Andrew, we're going to be sitting on uh, leavened bread. That's, that's the seating, uh, uh, <laughs> that's the seats we're going to have. So if you, if you use it as a chair, a batla, right? Uh-huh. So what do you learn from that? From you have over there, the town over there was Rabbi Shimon Lazar. Rabbi Shimon Lazar sounds like he held that once you, right, re, um, uh, reappropriate, recommission, or whatever you call that word, uh, reuse that, um, that chametz for a chair, so Miklal, the Tanakama Savar, Lo Batla. So first of all, we see Rosh Shimon holds, if you use it for something else, like let's say for a trough, it's going to be Batal, but we see also the Tanakama is going to say that it's not going to be Batal, right? Even though you're using for a chair. Alma, Kasavar, Kol Kazais, Ava Gavdemipto, Lo Batil. Right? So it seems, right, that, that the Tanakama holds that Ava Gavdemipto is going to hold that it's not Batal. But be that as it may, we see Machlokas here. Right, that that according right, if you're using it for a chair, obviously it's greater than a kazayis, and therefore if the if you're going to use the chametz, so we see those two opinions basically boil down to, and really what it boils down to is like this: if you hold that using the chametz for something else, like the sides of a pot or a chair, is makes it like basically not chametz at all, so then you don't care if it's a kazayis or not. If you do. Uh, if you hold that it could still be considered chametz, then maybe you'd consider whether it would be a kazais or not. That's really what it boils down to. Do you care about the usage or do you care about the size? That's the machlokas. Okay. Gemara ever challenges this. Okay, so with, with chazayis, I can understand. But when you have the... Con- so the aspect of the two brysos having a contradiction within a kazais, I can understand. That's a very like clean lumdus, as we said. One has to do with usage and one has to do with size. So those are the two brises. That's very clean. But you get into a little sticky area if you have less than a kazais. Why? Because usage might also absolve you. But there's a lack of usage, uh, there's a lack of usage, mechai of you, right? In other words, you have, according to one brisa, if you don't use it, you could be chai for even less than a kazais. Aha. So the, so the Gemara says, Elahava, Havar, Bishimun Lazar. No. Both Barisas can be Rabshimun Lazar. And Rabshimun Lazar, who, who says that when something is used for something else, it's not going to be a problem. The whole thing is going to be talking about splitting this trough into three zones. Very important. So we have like this Makam Lisha, Loba Makam Lisha. In other words, right, he's going to say, that in a place where it's meant to hold water, right? So that's not even Malcolm Lisha. 
That's talking about the base. That's you're never going to be chayiv. That even a kazayis is not going to be chayiv. And so that's zone A. And then zone B, it's not really meant to hold water, but it's makom lisha, right? That's the area where you're kneading the dough. So there it's going to be either, if it's a greater than a kazayis, it's going to be chayiv. If it's less than kazayis, it's going to be mutter. And then on the sides... There, even if it's less than a kazayat, it's going to be chayev, because there it's of no consequence at all, like by the lip. So, Amar Ravashi, lo lisha agaba de agana. Don't say that this makam lisha is talking about the outside of the trough, because that's not what it means. Ela asifsa de agana. Talking about the lip of the trough. Okay? Um, so, again, we're talking about zones here. You don't have to say Makam Lisha is the, in, the entire in, inner space. You can say that we have three zones. The bottom, where if it's missing a proportion, it's totally useless. The sort of like uh, bottom, it's called like the bottom third, where you really need it to have to, for the kneading with a K in order to function properly. And then the rest, the top is almost more decorative, and there you don't need it, and you're going to have three zones of halacha for this trough. Says the Gemara, Pshita, it's obvious that the upper lip is as useless as the outside. So says the Gemara, Sometimes the dough overflows, you might think. And it reaches all the way to the top, right? Who's to say how much dough you're making, right? We know that Lainey, no disrespect, she, she loves the challah. So if we're expecting Lainey to come over, right, we're going to have a tremendous amount of dough. It's going to reach all the way to the top when we're preparing it, right? So zimna de'ate fumate la'asam, kamash malan. No, so we have to teach you that, no, that even if you're going to be using it and there are times where it reaches all the way to the top, that lip of the trough is not considered as critical as the lower portion of that trough, of the kneading trough, and therefore it has a separate halacha where over there it's going to be a problem even if it's less than a kazayas. Okay, so what do we hold? La six lines down in the wide. Amar Nachman, Amar Rav, Halacha Kirav Shimon We hold like Rav Shimon as we just described that that a block, let's say, of let's say chametz that you use for a chair is going to be considered not chametz. You can use a chametz chair on Pesach. You don't need to get rid of it. Gemara ask Eni, is that so? Amar Rav Yitzchak Barash Amar Rav Im Tach Panei Batla. That we have this idea that if you have, let's say, we use the idea of chametz drywall. So if on top of the chametz drywall you smeared it with plaster and covered it, then it's batel. The implication, therefore, is tach in lo tach lo. That the only time you can use chametz drywall and not have to get rid of it on Pesach is if you actually covered it with plaster. But if you didn't cover it with plaster, then just because you appropriated it and use it as a wall doesn't mean that you don't have to get rid of it. Sounds like it's not the halacha like Rosh Hashim Says the Gemara, man de masneha lo masneha. It's true that the one who taught this didn't teach the other. In other words, we have a problem. The, look carefully. Amar of Nachman, Amar Rav. Halacha like Rosh Hashim Lazar. Amar Yitzchak Rashi, Amar Rav. Uh-oh. Both statements were said in the name of Rav. So we have a problem. That's an internal contradiction within Rav. So the Gemara is going to say, no. Ikeda Amri, Amar of Nachman, Amar Rav. Ain halacha like Rosh Hashim Lazar. Aha. So if you say that the halacha is not like a shemir lazar, then it's consistent. The amar of Yitzchak where Hashem Rav im takpan evadit butla, etc. So that might be the answer that the halacha is in fact not like a shemir lazar, and Rav would be saying that, and that would be consistent with the idea that the only way the drywall chametz is going to be usable is if you in fact covered it with um, with the uh, um, plaster. Ten lines down in the wide, just a little bit more. Amar of Nachman, Amar Shmuel, shnei chatzai zesim. Let's say you had two. Um, sort of, uh, dough. This is not talking about actual, right, um, olives. It's talking about two half, 
half kazayas of dough, but you have like a thread running between them. Is that mitzarif them? So we say, So the bottom line is like this. If when you pull that, let's say, string that connects the two shtekazesim of dough, if you pulled it up, it would look like a dumbbell, right? Like all, both sides would come up with it. So then it's one thing and then you're going to be chayv lavar. But if when you pulled it up, the two shtekazesim would just stick and stay where they are and that little thread between them would just come up on its own, so then obviously it's not really connecting them in the real way and therefore you're going to have less than the shear in each part and you're not going to be chayv lavar. So amar ula lomar el be'areva. We only say that in the case of the trough. of a babayit chayv lavar. But if you have like just two globs of chametz on, on top of your house, of course you have to. Why? The zimnim Because sometimes you, when you're sweeping the house, you're going to be um, sweeping them together and then it's going to be mitzarif and nafli because they're going to fall on each other. Not like in a trough, but in a house, that can happen. They asked in Eretz Yisrael, okay, so if you say it's in a house, that it is mitzarif, what about what if it's one portion of the house, two separate floors, or in the house and then outside in the, in the, in the porch, or what about if you have two houses, are you going to say that those are mitzarif, says the Gemara, we're going to leave that unresolved, hopefully Mashiach will answer this tomorrow. And we will resume tomorrow, 11 lines up from the bottom on Memhalen Vase.